0: Hi, welcome to And It's Writing, a tipsy writing podcast for one of our mini episodes.
1: Every other Friday, you can also join us at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Twitch for a live stream. To see the upcoming schedule, check our website at anditswriting.com.
0: I'm Amy Avery, writer of adult fantasy. I also self-publish under the pen name Avery Ames.
1: And I'm DC McNaughton, speculative and historical fiction writer.
0: So grab a drink, pop in your earbuds, and enjoy today's episode. Hi, so today we're going to talk about epigraphs, which, if you're not familiar with the term, is the little like blurby bit, like the extra sentence or tiny paragraph at the beginning of a chapter.
1: Fantasy writers like to use them. Yes, fantasy writers (laughs) like to
0: use them. A lot of times, fantasy writers like to use them to add world building, to add like backstory, that sort of thing. Sometimes, other writers will use them as like they'll use bits of like a poem or a song or something that kind of like thematically ties in with the book but i just kind of wanted us to like shoot the shit and share our opinions about them whether we like them we don't like them when they're good when they're bad oh yeah i've got i've got some thoughts on this
1: <laughs> first of all i love a good epigraph like oh uh, i use them i use them and then when i write books without them i'm sad like all the time every like i'm just i'm just sad like because like it um for me the epigraph not only like it for me, it sort of generates this looking glass. It's almost like mm-hmm. you've left one chapter, you're moving into another, and this is what you're gonna see. Like you're gonna get like it, it sort of settles you in like a like a like a <laughs> hot bath, you know. Like it it's this is, like I like them when they do this. Yeah, I'm not saying that every epigraph yeah. does. I like them when they do this because it sets you up for the chapter. Um, you get to be excited about you know what's going on. I've seen some. Authors use them to dictate whose perspective they're in. Mm-hmm. Brandon Sanderson, I believe, does this a little bit in um, the the big series he's working on. Uh, what is that shit? Uh, Stormlight Archive. Yeah, yeah. He he uses epigraphs to sort of separate like character uh like you know whose head you're gonna be in just by looking at the iconography on the chapter, title Mm -hmm. and the header of the epigraph. I like that. Um, but sometimes for the thing that makes me don't like them is when they get too long. Mm -hmm. I I really don't like it when they get like super long or like they feel like they're not, I don't know, like in the same style as the book or they they sort of break like the fourth wall or something like I don't know like there's a couple like things that fantasy writers like to do to like make them sexier
0: that I'm just like
1: I don't know it feels like kind of a cheap shot I'm curious what your thoughts are on it
0: I'm kind of the same way my thoughts on them are very similar to my thoughts on prologues which is if they're done well they can be great and if they're not done well they can clog up your story but I'm going to take a moment to soapbox again for my fave robin hobb because she actually uses (laughs) epigraphs very effectively um and there's two instances i want to talk about um the first is in the farseer books Mm -hmm. and they're they're this the framing device is that the main character fits is like writing down his life story and so what you're getting in the epigraphs are like other snippets of his writings because he's also tried writing Histories of the world, collecting different, mostly like history, stories, things like that. And so there are other writings of his and or like things he's learned that he's picked up from reading different scrolls and stuff. So it's actually building out the world, but it is also helping you learn like what was important to the character. Mm hmm. And so you get like little snippets that are like, here's this little bit of history. And it's just enough. And it usually thematically ties into whatever's going on in that chapter or surrounding chapters. It ties everything together. It's like a little bit of, like you said, it's kind of a little bit of glue between the chapters. Mm -hmm. And then the other instance that she uses it very well is it's not my favorite series of hers, but it's the rain wild chronicles which is her series about the dragons in like the rainforesty area and in it the epigraphs in that one are there's two settlements and they use pigeons to send messages back and forth and what it is is it's the two pigeon keepers sending their messages of news back and forth so you're getting like the world like what's going on mm. in the outside world which ties into the whole overall series but you're also learning kind of like they're leaving like the 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 official message and then like a little ps to each other and they're kind of snarking at each other and throughout the story you like watch them kind of falling in love through this through the little notes that's cool and they're not characters in the story they only exist in the epigraphs oh that's really cool i love that so it's just kind of adding like world depth but also not in a way that feels like you're leaving the story that's when it bothers me is when it's like okay we're gonna leave the main we we did something really interesting with your characters in the story by the way we're gonna leave the story for a while which i mean it's only Mm -hmm. a few sentences but it jars you out of it and then comes back and that's when it bothers me yeah that's
1: see robin hobb was a lesson in patience for me because (laughs) um it was the first time that i had read an epigraph that was longer than Mm -hmm. you know a paragraph like, there are some of those epigraphs that last pages. Um, uh-huh. And and I, I they are written a little differently than the rest of the book. And, like, my brain really struggled to get through the voice difference and seeing what felt like, at the time, too much of the iceberg. And for me, and, and this is probably because of ADHD <laughs> or... Something else. Um, there was something about it that at first for me was very confusing. I remember having to like go back and read the epigraphs after I wasn't reading the chapters because I was not really enjoying the book. And sometimes something would be happening. And there would be this two page epigraph. And I was like, Oh, wow, I like literally can't mentally wrap my head around this. Um, but they're very good. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, if you have the same issue as me, I would suggest doing what I did, which was trying to enjoy Robin Hobb, reading the (laughs) chapters and then like maybe going back like when you're in the mood and just reading those because they did have a lot of information. And I feel like like readers have their way of doing things, Mm -hmm. everyone. So like I think that's okay with some people. Some people really love that lore especially fantasy readers. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's important that it's there, you know.
0: (laughs) What's funny is this brings up a related note that I'm just going to like throw in here. It wasn't in our like concept for this but the other thing that's related to epigraphs that i cannot stand and it's a personal thing are footnotes oh yeah you don't like footnotes i do not like footnotes because they tell you to stop in the middle of a sentence and leave and come back and it's usually the lore stuff but it's it's not Mm -hmm. always like lore that's actually important And it's often things that I'm like, you could have woven this into the actual story. You were just too lazy to do it. (laughs) I feel like footnotes are very 20th century. (laughs) Yeah, there's yeah, there's one author and I'm going to call him out because I don't like him as a human being. (laughs) Jay Kristoff in the Nevernight series. Um, It's Nevernight, God's Grave and Dark Dawn, but they may not be in that order. I don't remember which one the last one is. He uses footnotes excessively. And he uses them to, like, give the narrator a voice, but also, like, info dump like crazy. And I'm just like, these are info dumps that could have been in the backstory or, like, woven into the story. And in the last book, he kind of used them to, like, talk back to people who'd criticized his previous books in a weird meta way. And I'm just like, this feels real hard. <laughs> so if you're going to do footnotes. You need to have a reason. I've heard that Babel by R.F. Kwong actually uses them very effectively. I have not read it yet. Yep. I've heard the same thing. Mm -hmm. But that book is also about academia. Mm -hmm. It's about a character who's studying at a college in a very academic setting. And so that kind of feels like it fits more than it would in a book that's like just a like fun fantasy about assassins. Yeah.
1: And it's it's funny, too, because Babel is, from what I've heard, an insanely good book. Um, and it's not like the the author put less. Like it, it's not like it was a cheat. You know, like it's not like the author put mm-hmm. them in to cheat. And the same thing happens with uh Jonathan and Mr. Norrell, uh the Jonathan mm. Strange and Mr. Norrell by um oh what's her name
0: poor sweet baby Susanna Clark. Susanna Clark, she's amazing.
1: I forgot that headfoot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I feel like they're used very cleverly. I feel like if you're going to use them, you have to be doing it to be really extra for some reason, like instead of just them being there to explain things that your reader might know, like you're actually trying to be extra.
0: I will say there is, there is one book where I did like the footnotes that I, I do remember that I have read and it's the princess bride. And it's because the conceit of that is that the book you're reading is the abridged version where they cut out all of the boring bits, even though there really is no unabridged version. That is the book. Right. But that's like, they're pretending that it's the abridged version. And so the footnotes are the like author's note of like, this is what I removed here. Like three chapters about somebody talking about, you know, the architecture of buttresses. And so it's kind of like adding to that fun fantasy voice Mm. of like the narrator telling you this story, like the narrator being a character. Right. Okay. Yeah, I can see that working. I can see that working. So but but it's when it's a lore info dump that it bothers me. And if I notice an author's doing those too much, I will just stop reading the footnotes. <laughs>
1: and I feel the same about epigraphs. If It is dumping lore onto me. I get mm-hmm. very mad. Robin Hobb gets away with it because she's mixing lore with content.
0: Even I will say that they're not all winners in Robin Hobb. <laughs> there are some that are like, OK, did this need to be here? But I give it a pass because overall, I love the series, so. also, yeah,
1: it, it, I feel like she I feel like she does it a lot for the readers, too, because I feel like some people are just super into that shit. And I feel like that mm-hmm. series in particular, it's got a lot of the fans that want that want it. In which mm-hmm. case, give it to them. I used epigraphs once to in my first the uh, epic the first epic fantasy I wrote, I used them as a means of showing the reader, the inside of a book. That's very important mm-hmm. in this, in, 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 in the piece of writing itself. So there is a book that's basically a character of its own. And cause I didn't want to do that thing where, you know, like you'll page break and then put like a song or like a, a verse from something in it, or like a paragraph from a book in italics because I didn't want to break the flow of things. And I did do that in the chapters, but I also wanted the readers to have information from the book right there if it has a reason if it has a reason i say do it if if the book is going to be okay without it i don't know i would say leave them out
0: i think this is actually an interesting challenge because there are readers who are just no matter what going to skip epigraphs gonna skip footnotes Mm -hmm. so you want them to be important to the story But also, don't put anything in there that's so important that somebody who skips it is going to, like, miss, like, a major plot point. Right. If that makes sense. So that's very hard to do. Good luck. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I really
1: like using them to drop things in for the people who are really watching closely.
0: Mm -hmm. Like,
1: the things in the background that not everyone's going to notice to let the people who are going to figure it out early use their brain to figure it out early. Cause I think it's Mm -hmm. really fun for those kind of people to read an epigraph and be like, wait, is that, is that like addressing this thing that was just shown on like three pages ago? And I'm like, I noticed it. Like now I, now I can see it. (laughs) It kind of leaves like this fun little treat for them to carry around with them in their pocket through like the entire book. And I really like that. (laughs) Barely anyone does it right if if you know a yeah. book that does this very well please fucking email us because i want to read it because i love it when epigraphs do that and i just cannot find enough of them that do it well outside of sanderson he, he uses it pretty well
0: yeah, don't use them just to info dump backstory or world building that is not actually truly related to the story yep because my god guys i want to use epigraphs in every single book i write and guess what i've only been able to
1: use them once and i hate that for <laughs> me i hate it i want to add epigraphs to
0: everything avery <laughs> i know you love them you can't but the one book that i read that you did them yeah like you said you you were using them to add to the story rather than like detract or distract <laughs> from the story yeah and I threw a couple
1: really short ones in there so that nobody felt bored of my, my words.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Be merciful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's, that's about all I have to say. That's all I've got on it. Okay. Well, that's our thoughts on that. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us. Every other Friday, you can also join us at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Twitch for a live stream. To see the upcoming schedule, check out our website at anditswriting.com.
1: And a reminder that if you heard anything in the episode that interested you, please check out the show notes for links and information.